computers. This is Intelligent Performance. Welcome to the Intelligent Performance Podcast, where we are fanatical about excellence in human endeavor. Today, we're thrilled to welcome Lottie Spalgar, an inspiring author and expert in navigating the unspoken complexities of our work environments. Lottie's recently published her groundbreaking book, Elephant in the Room, a deep exploration of the topics we so often avoid but desperately need to address. As part of crafting a book, Lottie delves into the landscape of a mindful avoidance, attacking the inherent resistance to addressing the elephants in our workspaces and the price we pay for such evasion. In our conversation today, Lottie provides us with an eye-opening look at the dynamics, the unspoken rules and the subtle avoidance strategies that shape our office culture. We probe into what we can learn from this resistance, how we can overcome it, and how we can foster elephant-free cultures. Plus, we also explore the steps we can take to challenge discomfort and confront awkwardness, leading to healthier and more productive work environments. Well, she's a really fascinating lady, and it was a, an eye-opening conversation. I think you'll enjoy it. So thanks for joining us. Let's jump straight in. Where I'd like to start is a kind of fun question that I, I like is that what is the elephant in the room in the elephant in the room? Maybe you can give some examples of elephants you've come across. Yeah, great. Thank you, Alex. Elephants in the room is like an elephant is a subject that no one explicitly addresses because for some reason it's hard to it's hard to address. And that can be lots of things like small elephants, like person sitting in a meeting, not contributing, someone in a meeting rolling his eyes, may not be agreeing on a vision that's being shared, a person constantly interrupting, little cues like that where everybody notices and everybody agrees this is disturbing, this is getting in the way for the primary task that we're here to solve together, but but nobody is, is pointing it out. And so it's the subtexts yes. that, that, uh, that no one addresses. Okay, interesting. I mean, yeah, I can think of lots of those. I mean, it's funny, I was at a train station yesterday and I was ordering a coffee and I heard the people behind the counter who the staff talking, you know, as they were making my coffee about a colleague and they'd mentioned how the manager had spoken to a colleague about showering. Apparently the gentleman they were talking about hadn't been showering or they someone didn't and the team had been talking about the fact maybe he smelled or something like that. But yeah, yeah it's it's not something we talk about. But that's yeah, a, that. that's a very good example because right. that's one one of the things that lots of managers would find it really hard to address. Yeah. It's also not it's not doing the person a favor not to address it because right. everybody notices, everybody talks about it, and it's something that is, yeah. Yeah, it's a difficult, I mean, but what was really impressive, actually, they then said that the manager had had that conversation with him, and he yeah. said, thank you for sharing with me. I know it's a difficult conversation to have, but I would rather know and do something about it so rather than have people talk about it. And so I guess that's your point, that's exactly. the benefit of this, right. And that's how most most people feel, actually. Right. But still, for for the for the person to address the elephant, whether it's a manager or a colleague or a friend, it's always hard. Yeah, sure. And tell me, why was why did this become such an issue for you, or why is this something you decided you need to talk to people about and address? Why why is this important to you? It's it's important to me. A few years back, I did a did a PhD, and one of the things that I was curious about in that PhD work was that. What are the, you know, when, when people do management training, they go on courses, they do team building, things like that. 
And then they really enjoy it and they think, oh, we're go going to go back and make such a difference. Mm. But then you get back in your everyday life for lots of people. It's just hard to stick to. Right. And it's it's just fading in, in the background. So my curiosity was, why do we stop when we're in the middle of it all? Why do we stop picking up on all these little process cues or li mm. the little things that we notice in ourselves and in others, what's going on between us? So that was really my my curiosity, mm. because often I have observed groups. And then my my curiosity has been like, why is nobody noticing that? Why is nobody noticing that he's not happy or that she doesn't agree or that he is not participating? Little cues like that. But then what I found out in my research was that it's not that we're not noticing. Mm. We're noticing it and then we're letting it go. Right. Because for some reason, it's threatening. It's uh, uh, the fear of approaching it is getting getting in the way, and that's the elephant in the room. Yeah. So well, that has been very much my my passion and my drive to do this work. Yeah, that's great. I mean, that's an interesting point you make, though. So yeah, we are noticing these things, but we're yeah. kind of resisting confronting them. And, and what do you think? Where does that come from? Where does that resistance come from? What's that function of? In that exact moment where we notice it then we are very good at telling ourselves like little little plausible stories that help us stay in comfort zone. Mm -hmm. That you can say that if, for example, you notice that someone is not happy with something, that it's you can tell yourself a story about it's it's better not to say it now. I'm probably the only one noticing. He may not be happy with me addressing it because for some reason we it's difficult to approach it. And some of the most significant reasons for not approaching it or why we find it find it hard to approach approach can be simple things like fear of stepping on somebody's toes, right. fears that you will be rejected, fear that you will get absorbed in some some emotional messiness that you that you can't get out of again, fear of of hurting people. Yeah, interesting. I think the term you you describe in your book is mindful avoidance. Um, yeah. Is that what you're, is that, have we already discussed that or is anything else to mention about mindful avoidances? My, mindful avoidance is that, is that little moment where we make the noticed unnoticed. Mm. And, and the reason why, the reason why I'm curious about that exact moment is that in that exact moment, if you really stay with that moment and stay with the stories that you tell yourself and ask yourself, is that really so? Am I telling myself this story because it's better for me, because it's better for me in short term, because I avoid getting out of my comfort zone? Or am I telling myself this story because it's better for the task we're doing together, it's better for the well-being of the group, and it's better for me as well? And often if you stay with it just a little minute or a few seconds then you then you will be aware if you are you are telling a story that's simply a story told because it's defending you against approaching the elephant. So the reason why mindful avoidance as a concept is important is that it's that exact moment where we are avoiding and we know we're avoiding. So if we can stay with that and just hmm, hang on a minute, let's just should I actually take a step forward instead of taking a step back or stay where I am? Does that make sense, Alice? I think so. So note, just so I got it right, is noticing the unnoticed or is it unnoticing, sorry, the unnoticed noticed? Which way around? 
that's like that. It's noticing. It's noticing and then making it unnoticed. So that's that's meaning you're noticing something. I see. And then ignoring it. Yeah, then you're ignoring it. You pretend you're not noticing and you're telling yourself that it's better not to notice. Mm. Because if you haven't noticed, then you don't have to do anything about it. Then you can just leave the elephant and then it's much easier for you yeah. because then you don't have to face the fear of being rejected, the fear, the fear of uh, hurting people and stepping on people's toes. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Also, a question that comes to mind is, is there a difference you've noticed between avoiding elephants in a group? Say we're in a you know meeting at a company and there's multiple people in the room. And then a difference between if you're just one-on-one with someone. Are we more likely to, to bring up an elephant if we're a one-on-one situation? Or yeah, have you noticed anything there? Yeah, it's a very much depending on the relationship. Right. Because it is easier for us to bring it up one, one-to-one. Because yeah. in a group, there's so much more at stake. Because mm. then you're in the midst of lots of group dynamics. Sure. And often... Then there are other stories that you can tell yourself that are good reasons for not not addressing addressing the elephant. And they can be stories like it's probably just me right. noticing it. So when it's only me, why should I disturb the others? Probably only me that it's bothering or find that it's getting in the way. And it can also be because it can feel much more exposed in the group. And for managers, actually, I was surprised to when I did my research and I was interviewing leaders, that how many leaders that feel like if I address an elephant, I should also be able to fix it. Or I, I should know what what is the solution to to making this elephant go away or make it smaller. It's not enough enough just to address it. Right. Right. So for example, if you as a leader you sit in a group and you see one of your direct reports is not happy with something then it's not enough just to ask i can see you're not happy with this what's going on but in the leader's mind it's more like she's not happy with this i don't know how to make her happy Mm. i don't know what to suggest instead what should the solution be it's things like that so then it makes it so much harder to use the elephant or, or just simply be curious about it or to trust that the collective intelligence of the group. Right. If I just ask a question or if I point it out, then that it's a group responsibility or that we're together in looking at this elephant and finding ways of uh, how can we how can we address it? Yeah. Well, so talk us through a bit about you've been interviewing leaders, you coaching people now as well around how to start to address these elephants. So what, what's the approach you suggest people take in terms of, you know, be it in an individual situation, one-on-one or a group? Yeah, how do you how do you suggest people should approach it? Yeah, first of all, it's trusting that pointing out the elephant or speaking to the reality, like what you perceive in in the moment, mm-hmm. that speaking to it and asking a question makes a difference. Right, because the moment that the moment that the elephant is in the room and that you drag it in or point at it, then then you'll have to do something about it as a group. You can yeah. no longer just avoid it. Because yeah. now the subtexts are there. Mm. So the first really trust that pointing it out or being curious about it is something that is very helpful, very helpful to do. And for many, for many, the being curious is easier. Like asking mm. questions is like, it looks like you're not joining us. Why are you on your laptop? Is something going on? 
we miss you here for example if a colleague right. is joining in a in a in a problem solving so really asking questions pointing it out being curious and then it's like don't underestimate the value of small steps mm. <laughs> like feeling if it's big elephants and don't feel that you should fix it or do something about mm. it really that just if you can take a small step and just start looking at it or just ask a question that will be that's the first step of bringing the elephant into into the room yeah i think that's a great point isn't it because i think you know in any relationship we often want to give advice to people yeah. whenever they're dealing with something when actually they don't want the advice well they don't want advice they just want to actually have an opportunity to talk about it so just you even creating a space by yeah. acknowledging it and it's you know like you say in a very compassionate way in a yeah. kind of fun loving yeah. way just creates a space for someone to then share and and also potentially find a solution for themselves, I imagine, yeah. as opposed to and you. Lot, to exactly. And for lots of people, it can also be helpful to know I'm not the only one struggling with this. Yeah. Like, for example, just to give you an example, what, what I did see in my research was that if you sit in a group and you think, I'm probably the only one <laughs> that is put by this. Yeah. Then what I could see in the groups that I was researching, that if you have that thought, two-third will have the same thought right. in a group so if you have that thought then know that probably others will think the same same thing mm. so it is helpful to know that for many people there's a fear of being rejected there's a fear of hurting there's a fear of stepping on on people's people's toes and that you're not not the only one yeah and then simply testing it if that's your assumption that if i do that i will hurt people or if i do that they will reject me. Mm. And then the question is also, how can you test that? How can you take a small step and simply test and say, if you do speak to the elephant or if you do address that, is that so that people will actually reject you? And often people will find that's not the case. It's all, it's all in my mind because for many people and in many groups, it's so helpful when the elephants do get addressed because it's such a relief because it takes a lot of energy when there are elephants around because it's so hard because there's no tr transparency. Yeah, It's hard to navigate in groups. You spend a lot of energy about wondering about, I wonder what they think. I wonder what's going on in their minds. I wonder if they see the same things as me. That costs a lot of energy. So it's incredibly helpful to start creating some some tra transparency because transparency you have like a polite group is not a safe group but a transparent group is a safe group i love that a polite group's not a safe group a transparent yeah. group is yeah it's such a good point i it makes me think of this self-development course i did yeah. a few years ago now but they talk about this idea of being present yeah. because if you can't be present with people you've got all these things going on in your head about do they think this do they think that should i've yeah. done that you know you can't be with someone and they've got the same thing going on. So you, you've got this very weird interaction or, yeah. you know, in a group, it's even weirder. So yeah, it's a, such an interesting cost. Have you noticed, what, what are the other costs you've kind of noticed from people not addressing elephants? If you don't address the elephant, what I, what I do notice that, you, because you can also argue, you should not address all elephants. Right. <laughs> there are some elephants that you should, that feels like maybe I should not address that now. Maybe I should wait. But when it's mindful avoidance and when you know, hmm, I should have done that. I wish I'd done that. Right. When you're like blaming yourself or beating yourself up for why didn't I do it? There's often this feeling afterwards of 
let me just i'll just i'll just find the because i do describe it here in in my book i'll just find it so what we notice when we're dealing with mindful avoidance is that deep inside, this is this is what I've written it in my book. I'll just read it out yeah, loud. Great. Deep inside, we know that it would be useful to address and deal with what we noticed rather than ignore it. Deep inside, we know that when we articulate why it was better to let it go, we are in fact rationalizing our decisions in a defensive gesture that serves mainly to allow us to stay within in the in the comfort zone so when we do when we when we realize that we've done that it will often leave us with a sense of lacking the courage to lack a sense of avoidance a sense of that we're not taking ourselves or others seriously enough so if you if you if you do a lot of mindful avoidance then your confidence in yourself your sense of being true to yourself the sense of having courage to speak up will will go down the drain. And if you're in a group culture of mindful avoidance, it's mm. a very exhausting group culture to be in because yeah. as we just talked about, there's no transparency. And as you know, in, in personal relationships, what makes you safe being with another person is to know where you have that person. Yeah. So if you don't know where you have people, and but if you only have fantasies about, I wonder what's going on. Then it's exhausting. Talk more about that. So did you, did you just say? Well, sorry, two things. One is when you talk about deep inside, like you quoted from the. For me, I, I hear gut trusting your gut. It's just exactly. you, you, you know, yeah. you just feel I did the wrong thing, or I, I should be talking about this. And then it's when a, you said talks about then about did you say having people? You you don't know you not you're not feeling safe with people unless you you have them. Is that what you said? Maybe this is a language thing here. It's but it's something about you know. In Danish, we would say that you know where you have someone. Oh, okay, great. I love that. So you know where you have someone. Is that what you said? Yeah. What's, oh, the, wow. what's the I don't know. I don't think in English we, we well, in, in British English, we, we talk about it in that way, but I love that phrase. It's, it's, really it's, it's Danish, Danish terms simply, simply saying that I'm not absolutely sure. I trust this person to tell yeah. me the truth. I know what she thinks. I know what she feels about me. I know she would tell me if there's something that she's not happy with. So yeah. that means I know where I have her. <laughs> I see. That's, I think that's where you say you know where you stand with someone. Is yes, that... that's, that's. I actually that's prefer true. have though. I just I love have. It's just for me. It's it feels more open. You yeah, know, I, I, you know, where I yeah, I, I really love that. Great. It's great. It makes sense in in uh, in English. <laughs> it does. It does. That's really interesting. So I want to go back to what you said, though, about there are some elephants you shouldn't bring up. How do you, when you draw the line, how do you distinguish which are the ones that, and also, I guess this is a process, isn't it? I imagine you have to bring up and then it will maybe allow others to bring up other elephants. Or yeah, how does it work? Have you, have you seen in your research? Uh, just to, when, when you when you need, know that you need to do it, as you say, it's a gut feeling. Yeah. You know it in your gut and you know that I will, I will, be so happy with myself I think right. I would uh, the feeling of speaking to it would be good it would yeah. not necessarily be easy but it would be good so first of all it's really tuning in with yourself in the moment what does this feel like what does my gut tell me right then of course it's something about the small steps because if it's in a group with lots of elephants or you know, this is something that's really painful or something that has been going on for for a long time. Then you really have to think about where to address it, when to address it and with whom so that nobody gets hurt. Uh, so it's 
there's a saying about rocking the boat, but not so much. You fall out of it. Others fall out of it. Right. So it's really holding holding that in mind. And then I guess everyone would think of mm, in my family or with my friends. There are these elephants. They have been there always, and no way I'm going to address right. them. Right. So it's also like choose your battles because if it's something that's not affecting you too much or a task you need to do together or your well-being at something that you learn to live with but it's really something that you need to question yourself what's the real reason why i avoid this elephant and what would i feel like if i if i managed to just simply start to address it would it feel better would it feel better for me would it be better for us? Yeah, that's great. Can you can you give some real rough examples, maybe from your research, or I don't know if you'd be willing to share from your own personal life about things you've seen and situations. I, I feel I can totally get what you're describing, but I wonder if you've got any examples in real life of people who've done this and the results where people address what's going. Yeah, on. addressed elephants. You can maybe share some examples of elephants. Yeah, and... yeah, I can. Uh, maybe this is in group work when when group work together to and they are they need to deliver something what i see that some of the most successful teams that are high performing teams what they manage to do is that they they find find ways of addressing it the elephants in the here and now like as you walk in like when you take take a shovel snow off the street right as it has just fallen and as you walk you find ways for dressing it along the way and that can be be little things like you're not listening to me you're late are you are you following us you're not joining here i need your presence you're not you're not with me don't do your emails now like little things that can be so hard if you sort of push it in front of you yeah but finding ways of simply creating a culture of making it natural to speak to those yeah. those like committing to we will create transparent culture and therefore we will address these things so that's an example of a group that's highly su- successful in doing right. that because they managed to create create this this kind of culture and in other groups i had a group recently that i uh, that i worked with where the elephant was very much a person in the group speaking over the others constantly right, right. Um, and interrupting. And you could see it in the others. He didn't notice, really? but you could see it in the faces yeah. of the others, like getting annoyed or feeling, as you say, he's not present. He yeah. does not listen. And then, then one of the group members took the courage to say, you know what? I need to tell you that now you have interrupted me three times mm-hmm. in the last in the last 10, 10 minutes. And it's really disturbing because I cannot finish my thought and I feel that you don't listen. Mm. And then and then the person stopped like was simply thankful. Thank you for telling me. I didn't notice. And you could see the relief in the other people's faces in the in the group because of course they feel the same way, but struggle to to address it. And now that it was addressed, because he was this kind of person that really struggle to sit sit still <laughs> and to not share a thought the moment it came came into his mind but it was also for him a practice so he said so please let me know if i do interrupt so then they agreed on just a signal or something when he was interrupting and it was easier for everyone and then of course there are also examples of elephants 
that are really hard to address because it causes difficult feelings like someone that does not want to work with someone because she is doing this this or that i work with a group like that recently as well and then there are tears and there's hurt but as we talked about before to know where you have someone even though there's hurt in the moment that i would prefer someone telling me saying you know what I don't want to work with you on this exact task because it's difficult for me for these or those reasons. And I may be hurt by it or may not agree with it or find it hard to understand, but I'll have to accept it. And I would prefer that from doing a task with someone that really does not want to work with me because I would, would be able to sense that and would it would affect the work that we did together. What I hear in well, what I, I love the examples you've given and what I hear in some of the examples, like, for example, first of all, the way the person who communicated about the elephant that the gentleman was interrupting them all the time, he didn't say you're doing this. He just he made it very much about this is how I feel and this yeah. is the impact of yeah. what you're doing. And I think that's a really important way, I imagine, because if he could have said, you know, you're rude, you're you know, he could have made it all about the other person, but he really made it about them. Yeah. And then to your second example about the... It's about the behavior. It's right. about the behavior. So it's not about them, him as a person, but it's about when you do this, yes. impact on me is. Right. It makes me feel like this, so yeah. that you actually point out the behavior yeah. and the impact on you. That's great, because it kind of separates it from the person, doesn't it? It doesn't make it personal yes. when you just talk about the behavior. It's like this thing in the elephant. It's like an elephant <laughs> as opposed to a person. How it gets in the way. Right. And what also what the person needs to think about or yeah. change. Yeah. Yeah. But also I think the thing that struck me a bit like the gentleman I mentioned earlier who was told he, you know, about the showering, it takes a big person to go, Yeah, I can get it. And thank you for communicating that. It's actually I it's interesting you said how he didn't notice it, but obviously the way he responded, the gentleman in the room who was interrupting people, he obviously it sounded like he did know, he he'd had it before. So he's like, I know it's something I need to work on, but he maybe had he just couldn't help himself because he, it's just enthusiasm. It sounded like he was very enthusiastic to want to be involved in talking as and when people are saying things. And just to give you another example, I once had an important meeting. And just before the meeting, I drank a glass of chocolate milk. I don't often do that, but I did. And then I went to the reception and I asked for the person I was meeting with. And they said, OK, it's fine. You can just wait. And then I asked for the bathroom and in the bathroom, I looked myself in the mirror and I could just see that I had like a smile, like a chocolate milk smile around right. my mouth. And I was just looking at myself in the mirror thinking, what if I had went, had gone into this meeting yeah, looking like this mm. and I felt so let down by the people in the reception that they did not, they, that they had not told me. And it may have been an awkward moment to, for them to say you maybe just go and look yourself in the mirror. Right, right. Something around your mouth. It may have felt awkward for them, but the consequences for me would have been much mm. worse than that. Yeah. So if people don't tell you, then there's often a feeling of feeling let down. Like, mm. do not tell me because I could easily have done something about it. Yeah. And then it would have been much easier for me and much easier for you. And no one would have had to talk about it in the corridors right. or with their friends in the background or but they could be like that's, that's such that. a great analogy Lottie and it actually makes me very really guilty because I went to a networking event a few weeks ago now 
and we were always doing the kind of drinks, standing around socialising, networking afterwards. And this gentleman came and joined the gentleman I was speaking with. The three of us were stood there. And I noticed he had this bogey hanging out of his nose and it was very obvious. And I kept thinking I should take him away and mention it. And I never did. I just eventually left the two carry on talking. I thought later that gentleman's walked around, met many, many people and they probably all noticed it because it was just so obvious. And I, yeah, I, I could have said something. And it would yeah, have rather than saying just do like just I do know like, exactly or something like that or I could it would have been a bit embarrassing maybe but then it would have saved him you know century because he would have probably gone to the mirror eventually in the bathroom and seen exactly. it oh god I've been walking around with this yeah yeah exactly exactly yeah. that's really good people do prefer that they prefer yeah to be straight with them they prefer tran- transparency and um, yeah. I think the other part, part, which we don't consider, but you made a very good example of with that lady who said she didn't want to work with her colleague, is that although it's a difficult conversation to have, and there might and then there might be more difficult conversations to be had afterwards, there's a kind of fallout from that. But as you said, the actual working relationship would have been probably horrible for both of them. Yeah. And they've saved themselves that experience. Yeah. And also maybe there's some feedback to be garnered from why the lady didn't want to work with her, which the other lady could could take away and look at herself for. Because I, I oh, guess it's, yeah. simply have the conversation about right. what do we need to do both yeah. of in order to make this worthwhile experience working yeah. together. What do I need to do? What do you need to do? Right. How can we be straight with each other yeah. and make this easier for you and for me? Yeah. It reminds me, I used to work with a gentleman who was kind of a self-development leader, but he had this idea of us not stepping over things, which is a kind of another way of talking about, you know, avoiding elephants. But he was, yeah, I've never met anyone else who would be so, he wouldn't step over anything. But the impact of that was, as you said, you just, I knew where I'm going to have, I can't remember how you, you say it so wonderfully in Danish, but I knew where I stood with him all the time. I was never in any doubt. If I was doing something wrong, I'd know about it. But equally, if I, if he, if I was doing something right, I'd know because he wouldn't say anything. So I'd like, you you know, as opposed to with a lot of other managers I've worked with, I think, God, am I doing something wrong? I just got no idea because they give nothing away. They've got like a poker face. Yeah, so, exactly. um, yeah, I saw all the benefits. And actually what I did see in my research as well was that when you talk about stress and well-being, we often talk about lack of time or too many right. tasks or too much to do. But what I what I did see in my data was that it's it's a big it it does create stress and a lack of well-being if there's no transparency so lack of transparency was a much bigger root cause for stress and well-being oh then i have too much to do there's too much on my plate things like that yeah like i can totally get that it's like we talked about earlier you've got all these things going on in your head and that's going to perpetuate stress isn't it so if you just deal with them then you've got less on your mind and yeah, I can totally, I can totally appreciate that. And exactly um, like with your manager is right. like, because when you know where you stand with him, where you have him, yeah. then you don't have to worry about it. You don't have to worry about no. you're doing a good enough job. Am I good enough? Should I be better at this? Yeah. What does he think about when I do this or that? Mm. And that's exactly the exhausting piece that's causing stress yeah. and burnout. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think I was going to ask you how we create an elephant-free culture, but I think we've kind of really discussed that because I guess when I think of my experience of that manager who wouldn't step up, he didn't step over anything, it also then gave me a space to discuss things with him when there was an elephant in the room for me that, about something he was doing. You know, I felt I could do that and he would take it in the way I hoped he would take it. And so the culture that developed between us and the rest of the, the company was that 
you know, we just wouldn't step over anything. And it just created this real space where we could be really highly effective because we weren't having to worry about what we were thinking, second guess and, you know, issues. Which we, it just it was a very open culture. Yeah. So, yeah. So exactly. If you if you create a culture where you can have these kind of conversations, like the kind of conversations I described with the high performing team, where you right. make a habit of addressing things yeah. as you go along. And for if you need to get it started, it can be helpful to create structures, like meeting structures and telling like just to make sure just checking, checking in with each other, five minutes of disagree <laughs> or five minutes of speaking to speaking your mind or simply what are the elephants that we're not addressing questions mm -hmm. like that right. find the questions that you always address that can help you create routines and habits right. of addressing the elephant in the room because behavior becomes habits and habits become culture yeah. so so that can that can be helpful to get it started i love that one last question, Lottie. You know, you mentioned high performance. Yeah. We're the Intelligent Performance Podcast. Can you just tell me, and I'm putting you on the spot here a little bit, what would you define in your view as intelligent performance? What does that look like for you? In intelligence performance for me is that you're able to be double aware. And that means that you're able to focus both on the task and the process and the relationships at the same time. Mm. So that when you are under pressure, when you have deadlines, you need to perform that you don't forget about your colleagues, your direct reports, your managers, but that you stay aware of what's going on in me, what's going on between us, what's going on, what's going on in, in the group. Because if you do that and you find ways of addressing it as, as you go, go along, then elephants will not grow. They will not become, they will not become big and get, get in the way. Yeah, so avoid the fully grown elephants. Yeah, exactly. Right. The capacity to, to be double aware relationships and tasks at Fantastic. the same well Lottie thank you so much for your time this has been brilliant and um, you know you've got your book out the elephant in the room we'll link to that in the show notes but yeah I just really applaud you for what you're doing to bring this kind of subject to light this bring this elephant in the room in out of the room because I think it's so important and I can see it would make such a big difference to a lot of companies families relationships so yeah thank you for what you're doing and thanks for taking the time to share with me today thank you Alex thank you for inviting me pleasure